We have two readings this morning. Before I begin, let us pray. Oh Lord, we ask that you clear out our ears, our hearts, our minds of assumptions, presumptions, things that we assume to be true because of what we've always heard. Lord, let us hear your word freshly in a newness that will awaken us and draw us to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. The first reading is from Acts 16, verses 20 to 26. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or to practice. The crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore their garments off and gave them orders to beat them with rods. When they had afflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into the prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet to stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were boohooing their situation. Oh no, <laughs> wait a minute. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. The second reading is from Matthew 5, verses 10 to 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The word of God for the people of God. This is our final sermon in the sermon series, Revive Us Again. And I think that, uh, honestly, if you look at this beatitude, it's actually two, but we're going to combine them because they're, they're related in a lot of ways. I think as we look at that, it kind of takes us back to the beginning. Full circle. So you think you're persecuted. Maybe you're at Taco Bell and you bow your head to bless that seven-liter burrito. Maybe it needs an extra blessing. I don't know. And after blessing it, you look up, and there are kids on the other side of the restaurant, and they're pointing at you, and they're laughing at you. Oh, yeah, you're persecuted. Maybe you're talking with some friends. And you take an opportunity to talk about Jesus, and one of your friends interrupts in the middle of what you're saying and says, Man, you're not going to talk about Jesus again, are you? 
and all your other friends start laughing and they change the subject. Yeah, you're real persecuted, aren't you? Maybe you're on your way to church. You're on your way out the door and the kids aren't ready. <laughs> I think everybody can relate to that, even those of us who are grandparents. They're not ready. And you look at them and you say, why aren't you dressed? And the kids are like, I don't want to go to church today. Oh, yeah? You're persecuted. Sometimes this pastor preaches a sermon that may not land. It just doesn't connect. And people pull me aside and they tell me about it. There's a couple here. I'm not going to point fingers. They think I'm not funny. Maybe. No, she's not here. I'm safe. Oh, I'm persecuted. When I was a chaplain in a hospital, I've told you this story. I had a man walk in. Once I identified myself as a chaplain, he started cursing me out. Get the blankety-blank out of my room. I don't want anything to do with your Jesus. Oh, yeah. Persecuted. And then we look at the story. I want, to sh I want to tell you the story of what was just happening. I've told this story here before, and I've, I've kind of, on deeper reads, I've kind of changed it a little bit because I've, I saw something that I didn't see before. So pay attention. I'll tell you where it is. Paul and Silas were in Rome. They were teaching the good news of Jesus with as many people as they could. And every morning, before they would go preaching, they would go to this one place, a solitude, a, a place of quiet and solitude to pray and ask God to bless their efforts. And one day, a young girl comes along and she starts to follow them. And every day thereafter, these men are slaves of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Every day, she kind of blew their cover. Whoa, wait a minute. Well, as the story goes, Peter became annoyed. Now here's, when I did a deep, deeper dive, here's where I started to see some, something a little different. He wasn't annoyed at the girl. He never addressed the girl. He spun around and he commanded the spirit to leave her. You see, Peter was annoyed at this spirit. Not the girl. And when I'm teaching couples, when I'm teaching conflict resolution, I, I always talk about this concept of, you know, the problem's a problem and not the person. We have to take the problem from the person in order for both of you to attack the problem without attacking each other. It's a good thing to remember. It's not the same thing as love the sinner and hate the sin. I don't think that's possible, honestly. But, but you can take 
the problem from the person and not make that their identity. Do you, you follow me so far? That's what Peter did. He took that problem from that young girl and he realized it for what it was. It was a demon. He was annoyed at the demon. And he cast the demon from the girl. So to finish that sentence in your bulletin on the sermon title, when in Rome, bring freedom to the oppressed. This is profound. Peter went straight to the heart of the issue. He knew this was not the girl, but a demon. He was annoyed at the demon. Perhaps a better word would be, he was ticked off. This demon had her in chains, had her bound, and was oppressing this girl. And Peter couldn't and wouldn't stand for it any longer. Perhaps if we were to expand this thing out a little more, maybe Peter was upset about the people that kept her in captivity, who were using her for monetary gain. Perhaps Peter was angry at how people had marginalized this girl and took ownership of her and used her. Perhaps we can say that this was an act of love that Peter demonstrated toward this girl who was being held captive by this demon. And sometimes when we act out of love, the world doesn't understand it. Sometimes when we act out of love, we become misunderstood and we ourselves begin to experience pushback, persecution. I mean, that's what happened to Jesus, isn't it? Jesus taught love. And it led him all the way to the cross. The owners of the slave girl were certainly not happy. They took Paul and Silas to the magistrates. <clears throat> These men are disturbing our city. They are Jews. They are advocating customs that are not lawful for us Romans to adopt or observe. When in Rome, set the captives free. It's not always a popular thing to do. We are called to be in the world, but not of the world. Do you follow me? The world will not understand us. Jesus says that. The world's not going to understand you. But keep me first and foremost in your life. Teach what I have taught you. Teach love. Set the captives free. Be a voice for those who don't have a voice. Those on the margins. Paul and Silas were stripped, beaten with rods, and not just... Pop, 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 pop. No, man. They, had, they, they hit them hard. 
And they weren't just put in prison. They were put in the innermost part of the prison. And let me tell you, that was no picnic. It was cold. It was dark. It was damp. It was mildewy. There were rats running all over the place. Can you see it? And not only were they put in the innermost part of the prison, but their ankles were shackled, and there were these other prisoners who deserved to be in there. They were looking at them like, we're going to have a fight. We're going to have a brawl. What a pickle. What were Paul and Silas supposed to do? They were sitting ducks, chained to the floor. These guys were persecuted for the name of Jesus. Yeah. Paul and Silas were in a real pickle. But here are the words of Paul himself in Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Listen. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Let your request be made known to God. I'm getting ahead of myself. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And the congregation said, Amen. So what were Paul and Silas to do? They rejoiced. They rejoiced. Jesus says in our, in our, in our gospel lesson, in the last beatitude, Rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Jesus is talking in the future tense here. You being a Christian isn't supposed to be easy. Being a Christian means we make sacrifices. Being a Christian means that we stand up for what's right. Even when it's not popular. Rejoice and be glad, for great is the reward in heaven. As Paul and Silas were singing, the earthquake came and shook the prison and left everything in a rubble. When we praise God, barriers in our lives and in our ministry come crumbling down into a rubble. All those barriers in our lives, all those things that are keeping us from, because we are all ministers, right? We believe that we're priesthood of believers. That's a good Cumberland Presbyterian way of thinking. It's in our confession of faith. We are priesthood of believers. We all have ministries. And sometimes there are barriers to our walls, uh, to, to our ministries, and we're like, uh, I guess I should give up now. That's when you keep praising God. Because when you know, you know. When you're called, you're called. When you're convicted, you're convicted. And praise breaks down those barriers. 
new opportunities become available. When everything seems hopeless, praise bursts the doors open. So what's the takeaway here? I'm not going to tell you. I want you to take this away and engage this sermon today. Engage the story. Engage the text that we read today. And ask yourself the question, how does this story fit in the lens of love God, love others, and love yourself? It does fit. But the work of discovering where it fits is up to you. Let us pray. Loving God, we want to follow you. We hunger and we thirst after righteousness. And sometimes, God, that's a scary place to be. But you have promised, Lord, that you will never leave us or forsake us. You have promised, Lord, that even into the end of the world, that's where you are. And sometimes in our lives and our ministries, we feel like we're at the end of the world. And even in that space, you are there with us. May we, through our prayer and through our praise and through our thanksgiving, find you there in that space. May we be strong and courageous. God, as I pray here today, I am reminded of what the devastation that's happened in Hawaii and those suffering right now. I want to make space for that and for those who are suffering and for the families who are suffering. Lord, I ask that you draw near to them. And also in this space, Lord, I want to create silence, a sacred space where all those here in this congregation and those watching online can bring their petitions to you. God, in your mercy, hear our prayers. For we pray these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.